My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. Hi, this is Valerie Payne, and you're listening to another episode of Finding Unity. And today I am talking to Charlene Miner. So Charlene, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? So I am the second oldest of eight children. I grew up in Fresno, California, and then my family moved to Boise, Idaho for a few years in my teen years, and then they moved to Bountiful, Utah. Wow. I am married to a great husband and have five children. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing, a little bit about some of the hardships that you faced growing up just with your upbringing. I don't think I had too many hardships during my upbringing when I was young. Like I really pretty much had a charmed life. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, but she helped my dad with his businesses. And I, I really grew up in a very loving home. There was a great balance in my childhood between freedom and uh, house rules. And both of my parents taught me great values. They taught me how to work hard. They taught me how to cook. They taught me how to clean. They taught me how to weed. They taught me how to um, uh, manage my finances in a very active way, whether it was by playing Monopoly on Sunday afternoons or having lessons on budgeting or just encouraging me to save for different things. They taught me to be independent, and they were really amazing examples of service and kindness to others. My dad was often, and my mom was often the first to volunteer if there was something that needed to be done, whether it was taking meals to people or working on the welfare farm that was in Fresno, which was a big, huge grape farm. And uh, I was always kind of proud my dad was the hardest worker I always thought he was the hardest worker and really they taught me by their example how to love and how to serve and how to give I love those examples you gave of um budgeting like simple ways like monopoly I think people listening who have kids this might be like a really good idea right right and then also just those core values of service as well and giving yes. that you had in your family so it sounds you grew up um, you, you mentioned hardships. You felt like you didn't really have too many severe hardships growing up, but really a lot of educational experiences. Yeah, I really felt like I was in a loving, you know, I was in a loving home. My parents loved each other. They loved us. They taught us to love each other and and work together. We played hard. We worked hard. And uh, it was really a charmed upbringing, and I felt very secure. Great. And did anything change for you? What did that look like? Is that something you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. So when I was about 13 years old, kind of some tension came into the house. Um, My parents separated for a while and uh, started to argue. And this was a really confusing, really hard time. I worried, I wished, I tried to intervene myself as the 13-year-old to to help them to reconcile. And in the end, they did reconcile. And um, then we had several happy years. But then when I was 18, my first year at college, away at college, my mom called one night and um, 
probably for several months before that, I knew that things weren't going well again. And she told me that my dad had left. So when I was 18 years old, um, my parents separated and then divorced. And that was really shocking given the you know, the upbringing that I had had because is all I had really, really known in my early years is a really loving, cohesive family. So that security of their love really was shattered for me. And I wondered like, what, what, what had I done wrong and how could I fix it? And, and what's real, you know, like I questioned what they had taught me you know, about working things out and being kind and all of those things. And it was a real emotionally difficult time for me. Yeah, I bet. Um, So what were things, I don't know if, I don't know how much this was known by others around you, but um, what did people do at the time maybe who knew about this? What did they do to kind of help that maybe was helpful for you at the time, especially when you were having all these questions? Right, so um, this was 1981, so I was super embarrassed. Like, I only knew one other person who had divorced parents, you know, and you always said that kind of, oh, his mom's divorced, you know? And so it wasn't something that was really common during that time, and so I was I was really, um, I was worried about other what other people would think about me and how my family situation would now reflect on me personally. And so I didn't tell a lot of people. In fact, my roommate who was room roommates with me, she was in the same room with me at college. I I know she knew what was going on because her mom was my mom's best friend. And my mom would call every night and we didn't have mobile phones or cell phones. It was a phone that was connected to a cord. So I'm sure she heard my mom call me every night and you know me sorry um you know being emotional as I talked to my mom and tried to figure and and make sense of all of this but I just I couldn't say anything to her and um and I really put up a big barrier trying to figure this out so um how did that barrier get broken down I think I think the thing that people did that helped was they just showed up and they showed um, love and caring in a very non-judgmental way. And I know my mom had this friend, it was my roommate's mom, who called her every single day to see how she was doing. Um, People dropped off meals which is really interesting because in the culture in which I live, we often make meals for other people. And I think, why, why do we make meals? Why don't we just like buy something and drop it off or order Uber Eats or whatever? But I have found in that process that the days that I'm making meals for someone or someone's made me a meal, I know that they've been thinking about me for several hours. Yeah. And I know that I think about others for several hours. And so people did that. Um, People really moved in in so many ways, in emotional and physical ways. Um, During that time or a couple of years after that, when I was, you know, really off on my own, 
people would just put money in my bank account. So financially, people helped as well because my mom was then, you know, on her own. I think people just cared enough to continue to be involved and let me know that they were there. That's awesome. I can't believe that. Yeah, that that money just kind of showed up and people. I like what you said too about making the meal. I had someone else on a podcast talking about grief. And they were talking about how much that meant too. just having those casseroles and all those things come in. Yeah, but it's really an expression of love. Right. And I really like what it does for our souls as we serve in any way, whether we plant flowers or take a child somewhere or, you know, just show up. It's it's good for the soul. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned earlier that you started when your parents had gotten divorced, you started to question all of these things that you'd been taught. Right. And I'm curious, how did you work through that? I know you mentioned people supporting, being there for you, being present, but what were other ways you were able to just kind of grapple with um, these questions that were coming and how to find the answers to those questions? Um, that, That was probably the time in my life where I really dug the deepest to, to try to figure out who I was and where I fit and what was real. And um, I really turned to God during that time. I turned to prayer and found that there was, I, I found a spiritual connection where I felt and I continue to feel that God knows each of us and loves us. And, and so rather than face it with a lot of doubt, I turned to God. So yeah, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is these questions of these things you had been taught by your parents that you were kind of starting to doubt, you were able to find the answer with God. Right. Um, I've recently read this book called Kitchen Table Wisdom by Rachel Naomi Remen. And this is what she said about prayer, which really connected with me. She said, prayer is not a way to get what we want to happen, like the remote control that comes with the television set. I think that prayer may be less about asking for the things we are attached to than it is about relinquishing our attachments in some way. It can take us beyond fear, which is an attachment, and beyond hope, which is another form of attachment. It can help us remember the nature of the world and the nature of life, not on an intellectual level, but in a deep and experiential way. When we pray, we don't change the world, we change ourselves. And then she goes on to say, when we pray, we stop trying to take control of life and remember that we belong to life. It's an opportunity to experience humility and recognize grace. Wow. I thought that was so beautifully yeah. put. I love that last part, especially on what you'd shared about um, just not trying to control life. But what was it? Not controlling life, but... Yeah, we belong to life. We belong to life. Yeah, and and you experience humility and recognize grace. And I think that when something really difficult happens in our lives, we, we can choose to be prideful and arrogant and defensive, which was my initial instinct or we can humble ourselves and let others come into our life Mm -hmm. whether it's our neighbor or our friends or a stranger in the street we can we can let it soften us Mm -hmm. 
um, or God. I love that. And I feel like this answers this next question, but I don't know if there's something else you wanted to add to it. Um, but how have you been able to respect the agency of others through this experience? You know, I feel like forgiveness is a huge thing. And I feel like this quote you shared about prayer is a huge aspect to it. And just, you know, not trying to control things, but just becoming. Yeah. So I, I think when I look at God, when I experience God's love, I don't believe that he's trying to control me. Mm-hmm. I God has given us the ability to make our own decisions. And, um, and I think that's how he wants us to look on others, uh, to respect their, their path. Um, you know, I think, I think you have to let go of the anger or the confusion and just realize that everyone has their own path and you may not understand I I don't understand why my dad left I don't understand that completely and I'm not sure that I ever will but I can understand my connection with God and I can continue to love him I think it's helped me to see that I can't control others it's helped me to understand that there is a lot that I don't understand about others and it's helped me to develop a very strong connection with God and his love and his grace and his mercy and his willingness to let us make choices. I love that. So I feel like you've kind of answered this question as well, but how has this increased your connections with others, this experience, and also your love for others? Yeah, so so I was watching a documentary just last night on Audrey Hepburn. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was on Netflix. And um, I have to watch it. I'm excited. Yeah, and um, I mean, she's just she was just it. You know, she was Eliza Doolittle, and um, and I realized during this well during this documentary, it talked about how her father put her on a plane. Uh, I think from England at the beginning of World War II, and that was the last he saw her, and that was the last he was involved in her life. And and immediately I thought, oh, I've got a connection with Audrey Hepburn. You know, yeah. like her story's a bit different than mine. You know, she, it was when she was quite a bit younger than 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 I was, but, you know, I realized everyone's got a story, right? whether it's, um, and everyone's got some pain and everyone's got joys that are similar to mine, but everyone's going to have a different experience. Even when I look at my own siblings, my youngest brother was one when my father left and my oldest sibling was a year and a half older than I. So, so we all have a different experience. Mm -hmm. Like I had this charmed upbringing and a really stable home and and you know with two parents um not saying that one parent can't have a stable home and that my younger siblings didn't have a stable home but it was a quite a different upbringing than my younger siblings had mm-hmm. so so i i find you know there are some connections and some similarities but um everyone's experience is unique yeah I love what you shared too, because it is interesting that our experiences connect us to other people, because even if they're a little bit different, we can still resonate with something with this 
this fact that we're not quite the ideal, right? Like we're in this this in-between space between where we are and our ideal and minding the gap and that everyone is has that experience in some way or another. Right, because no one's the ideal, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, we all have we all have experiences and and I just I love to get to know people and find mm-hmm. out about their lives because you find that the things that connect us are more or greater than the things that drive us apart. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a great way to find unity, mm-hmm. you know, is to seek those connections. So I love that. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. What are some other ways that you found healing that you'd like to share? Is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, I, I've thought a little bit about healing and you know, am I completely healed or, you know, what is healed? Is it moving on or is it ignoring the insult or the pain or the experience? Or is it just letting go of the anger without ignoring the experience? And I I think that that's really where healing comes in is where you can let go of the anger or any negative, bad energy feelings that you have towards the experience. And you can just realize that it is. And if we allow and give place, our difficult experiences can more, can better help us connect with others in very unique ways. Not that we want to focus on all of the bad things in everyone's life and doom and gloom with others, but our difficult experiences, I think, can offer that compassion and the understanding and really a starting point from which we can interact and connect with others. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it gives so many people hope too. Right. Because we don't, we don't always associate that with like pain and our negative experiences. But I know for me, when I hear people's stories and how they've overcome things, it gives me hope to overcome. Right. Right. You can always... I mean, not that it's a contest, but you can always find someone that has been through an experience that you think, I don't think I could do that, or Mm -hmm. that would be really super difficult. Um, But as we go through similar experiences, we find that we we can get through them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What advice would you give to maybe young children who might be going through a similar experience and maybe feel abandoned or alone or feel like it's their fault yeah so I think I think first of all I found a lot of healing and a lot of love through prayer and so my my biggest advice would be pray Um, and again not to change the outcome but to develop a connection with God because that spiritual connection will enrich your life during that time and it will continue to enrich your life for the rest of your life And then I think the other advice um, is to reach out when you're ready to someone um, that is willing to listen and to move in. I think not everyone's willing to listen and move in, but you'll find those people and they'll find you. Um, Like I said, I was really worried about others, what others might think and how the experience might reflect poorly on me and, and had walls, but, but just let other people in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think going along with that, just to find those trusted support systems and to, um, I love how you mentioned prayer is a way to heal, to let yourself open up and let those support systems in. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then what advice would you give to, to those maybe who are um, adults or members of the community um, in interacting with you know youth who are going through this, children who are going through this, or adults who are going through this? Um, what advice would you have? I think the, the advice would be to move in you know, to show up, to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my mom's friend called her every day and to this day, my mom will say, I I don't know what I would have done without Janine. Um, listen, um, pray, pray to make a connection and to be open and, and to be open and listen without judgment and just to love. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I know when you were talking, or I, I feel like when you were talking about listening and being open, you were talking about listening to the person and open to the person. But as you were saying that, I was thinking for me, something I struggle with anyway is I'm like, well, how do I help? I don't know. Like, I don't know what you need, you know? And I'm the kind of person where I'm like, well, I don't want to bring you food. Like, what if you don't want my food? You know, like, what if right. you're like, oh, great, another meal, you know? Yeah. And so when you said to be open and to listen, I was thinking about just like, you know, listening to your gut or the spirit, you know, as, as we believe in our faith, mm-hmm. um, and being open to that, you know, revelation of how we can help others. Right. So, right. I've there, seen. there's, you, you have unique, everyone has unique abilities. And, um, I think we all can tap into the spirit and the spirit will teach us what someone else needs. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not what they need, you'll let them know that you love them. Yeah. You know, even if they don't need food or they don't need flowers planted mm-hmm. or they don't need, I don't know, their lawn mowed or whatever, yeah. they'll know that you're there. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing this experience and um, being willing to be on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have one final question that I always like to ask everybody who's on. Mm-hmm. And that question is, what does unity mean to you? So unity to me means to see others as God sees them. Stripped of all their faults and their pretenses and their mistakes and their addictions, as well as their accolades and their degrees and their accomplishments. I think just to see others as they truly are. I love that. Thank you so much again for being on. Oh, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it on whatever platform you're listening to. Remember that it's okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another. For more on unity, follow us on Instagram at finding.unity or on Twitter at finding underscore unity.